welcome to the Fat Gals Book Club, the podcast. I'm your host, Jenna, and I still feel so awkward when I introduce myself. But here we are. Here's another episode, another little book club session. Not so much the actual typical book club session today. As I mentioned last week, I want to start a new series where we talk about some just like life lessons and relate them to some books I read. And the way I came about this week's topic, which is all about relationships and a bit about toxic exes, is I was reading Swift and Saddled, and amazing book, by the way. I'm so excited for this to get released for everyone to read it. Just, I love a good cowboy small town romance. So you guys will love it. But anyways, the main character, Ada, a lot of the growth from her character is overcoming trauma from her past relationship and finding her confidence again, finding her voice and just like learning to be independent. And when I was reading it, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I have so much to say about this based on like personal experience and like what I've seen. So I really, really wanted to dedicate an episode to talking about relationships because then my mind just got spinning on like the books that I read and how we can talk about those ones as well. So I, what I loved about Swift and Saddled is that Ada was like dedicated to like re- not reinventing, but refining herself. And I loved that because I had always been a firm believer in, I was never going to date someone until I felt happy being independent because I strongly believe that if you're not happy with yourself, no one else is going to make you happy and your relationships will be so much stronger once you do feel independent. And I would date a lot in my like early to mid twenties, but I would never like really settle often because I was like pretty stuck on this. And I was just like with really shit guys. But then like once I was, I think it was 24 when I met my boyfriend now, I finally was at a point where I was so comfortable being by myself that I was ready to share my time with someone else. And it was the best decision I've ever made because I feel like although my partner and I starting off our relationship may have had some bumps in the road, our relationship is so strong because we're just two independent people who work so well together. And he's honestly the most like unproblematic person I've ever met in my entire life. Like 20 year old Jenna would be so shocked that we met someone so unproblematic. Like if you're from Ontario, Canada, you, you know, those are hard to find. So I did find a boy, well, a man from another country. So that's probably how I found the unproblematic one. But I feel like just, our relationship has always been so secure and like good because of it, like because of how independent we both were prior to it. And that's what I really appreciated with the character Ada is I could tell that that's how she felt as well, that she never wanted to feel dependent on a man ever again. And I really think in relationships, it's like good to be, I don't want to say dependent, like you want to still feel like you are a couple, you are like bringing each other up, but that's the thing you're bringing each other up. Like you're like enhancing each other's lives and not needed to make it happy in all relationships. You need to feel like by yourself, you are happy. And that second person, like your partner just enhances your happiness. And that's how I felt in my relationship 
So I thought that was really cool to see in a book. And that's kind of like how I really started thinking about this episode's topic. Again, I did some dating in my 20s before I met my partner. And this was also because I wanted to make sure I knew what I liked and what I didn't like. And this also brought me like a lot of stories and a lot of learning. I really felt like dating made me learn so, so much about myself and also had really, really changed like my opinions on like the partner I'd want to be with, which brought me to also where I am today and like the relationship I'm in. It's so funny looking back at like what I used to think I wanted. I remember thinking like how important I thought it would be that my future boyfriend would have like some corporate big job where he made like all this money. And now looking back at that, I'm like, why did I ever think of that? Like, I could not think of anything worse. And take everything I say with a grain of salt. If this is your partner, please, I'm not judging you. It's just not for me. But I could not imagine anything worse than having a boyfriend where I have to go out for dinner and, and drinks with their friends. And they just talk about hedge funds the whole time. You will never catch me dead with finance bros. I don't even know how money works. I had to ask my boyfriend how money, like why we can't make more money. So yeah, nothing seems worse than that. At one point I did think I wanted that, which is just literally insane to me. And without having to date and sit through dates of men talking to me about the stock market, I wouldn't have known that I didn't want that. And now again, I'm with my funny, fun teacher boyfriend who also does, he's like, has a lot of trades to him, I tell you. But literally, I just like could not picture a better pair for me. And comparing him to what like little 21 year old Jenna thought she wanted is like night and day and in the best way ever. And it just makes me so happy that I was able to learn these lessons to get to where I am. Honestly, like so thankful. Going off of that, I was really thinking of kind of lessons I've learned and books that could relate to them. And I kind of want to go off of like how what I thought I wanted versus like what actually works for me because I really don't think personally without dating around that you'll know this. I know a lot of people are very lucky where they find the one early and I'm so happy for you, but if you're someone who hasn't found someone that you feel like you connect with, keep dating because I find that every day you will come out knowing more of what you want in a partner and it kind of will bring you to finally really solidify those feelings to find someone that you're actually really going to connect with but being said one of the biggest mistakes i have ever made was falling for the men who seem like a green flag but they are a red flag so here's my first little dating story and tip for you i come from a city, if you're from London, Ontario, you will understand this, of men that just can absolutely suck. It's hard to find a good one there. And at one point, I had thought I had found that. And it was because he wasn't like really a partier. He was just like so chill, funny, easy to get along with. Like right away, we had hit it off. And after two weeks of knowing each other, I remember he had asked me to be like his girlfriend. And something in my gut was like, this seems weird. This seems off. Like 
two weeks. Like, I don't even know. I don't know what this guy's like. Like, this is like the honeymoon phase. Like, of course, we're still having fun. It's been two weeks. I don't, I've never, I've never seen like any issues. And I feel like I've never seen him deal with conflict. Like, I don't know him. So what I did was decide that it was best that we just kept like seeing where it went. I was like, "Mm, not ready to be your girlfriend yet. But he like really put it on. Like he was such a love bomber, which I know now is like such a red flag. But everything he was doing at that time seemed like a green flag. And it wasn't until I started falling more for him, he then backed away instantly. And that's when his red flags really started showing. This man tried to tell me that I had to work out more because he like thought I could have been a bit more fit. He literally didn't care about anyone other than himself, but he was just good at showing, making it seem like he cared. But none of this came out until like later on. So he went from being like literally world's biggest green flag I had ever met to like the world's biggest red flag within like three months. And I just remember thinking back like, oh my God, I'm so like relieved that I never like agreed to be his girlfriend and got into like a serious relationship and like met his family because like he actually is the absolute worst person ever. But like I wouldn't have known that because he literally was tricking me with all these like green flag qualities. And what this kind of like makes me think of and if you haven't read A Court of Mist and Fury, maybe skip the next like 30 seconds of this. It reminds me of, I'm just gonna give one more second to let you skip. It reminds me of Tamlin. Because when you first read Akatar, you're like, Tamlin's a green flag. Like I read that book and I knew that she ended up with Resand. And I was reading and I was like, how is she gonna not end up with Tamlin? Like what happens for him to like not be the one I'm not kidding I thought he was gonna like die because that was the only way that I could see her moving on to someone else because I was like he's like he's perfect he's so so amazing and I'm curious if I reread the first book if I would pick up on these red flags I think like even when you're disguised as a green flag when you're out of that situation you can pick up on the red flag qualities that are showing it's just like when you're getting love bombed in in it you don't see it as easily So I do wonder if I were to reread it, if I would pick up on these things, which I'm sure everyone would say yes. But then Tamlin ends up being like world's biggest red flag. And this is like so accurate with so many people. Like never fall for the green flag right away. You sometimes have to remove yourself in that situation and think like, are they really a green flag? And I'm not saying all men are like this. I just think if it seems too good to be true, it might be. I, my partner is like a green flag, but looking at our relationship, there was never like the love bombing. There was never those like, he never overcompensated to show he was a green flag. His character traits just showed that. But I think the people who are disguised as a green flag really do overcompensate. And it's like, once you're out of it, you can tell they were doing that. But when you're in it, just like, oh my God, wow, this is so nice. And it really is to me, Tamlin. And then it goes to like recent, like disguised as a red flag, which I'm not going to say go for the red flags. They're actually green flags. I think that is just such a bookish thing. I don't think you can, I don't think recent would exist in real life. You would hope because he's like world's number one book boyfriend. There's, there's no way that that would work in real life. Because a red flag is still a red flag. And if you think you're going to change him, I don't know if you're going to change him. 
So what I'm trying to get at is take this analogy as take away the Tamlin situation and use it in your real life and resand. let's keep it to the book stuff. Because I don't want to start telling you guys to like look for guys who are kind of red flags because they're probably, they probably are a red flag. So, <laughs> so that was a bit of a tangent. I always go into these podcast episodes being like, okay, I'm going to plan what I'm going to say. I literally go through it in my head. And then as soon as the mic comes on, I'm just like, all hell breaks loose. My ADHD goes crazy. And I just start like venting. But yeah, basically one of my biggest takeaways, if you are someone who's dating or looking for a relationship is to be very wary of those like fake green flag men. I have even seen so many of my friends with them. And I always find it hard when my friends who are single will text me about a new guy and they're like, he's done all of this stuff. And he's done this. We've gone on like this many dates already. I'm not going to lie. 90% of the time, those men end up ghosting them. It's like the love bombers. Like if they're acting too much like a green flag, they could be a red flag. And please take all of my advice here as a grain of, grain of salt, because this is just from experience of what I'm seeing. I'm sure there are some like really big green flaggers who are green flags. Like I said, I am with a green flag, but just be mindful of some of, as I said a hundred times already, of the ones who seem like they're trying too hard to be a green flag because they probably are not. This also goes to like what I was thinking about like tropes in general. Um, I think this is why I'm not like really like an instant love trope girl. I really do believe in love at first sight in the sense that like you can kind of tell that someone is going to be the one, but I really don't believe you can be like in love right away. I love the idea of that, but like me personally, I don't believe in it. But as an example, like when I first met my boyfriend, we weren't like meant to be at like in the same place. Like we really met by a chance and then we weren't even supposed to be living in the same city and then ended up living there. But after I first met him, I thought that was going to be like the only time I'd ever seen in my life. And I literally said to my friend, I bet if we lived in the same city, I'd end up marrying that guy. And something in my gut just told me that in that moment, I was not in love with him, but something told me that it could be the one. So with instant love, this is where I struggle with that trope because I can see it because of the situation I've been into. And I also struggle with it because like, I feel like there's so much involved in love that I'm like, are these characters really in love? They just met one month ago. Do they even know each other's like favorite food or like, what's their bad habit? Like, what if they move in together after they sold each other like they loved each other and he leaves all the cupboards in the kitchen open <laughs> you don't know these things and i'm sure like you can still love someone who does that but like what if these characters fall in love and they do like the most annoying things like your non-negotiables as like a person to live with i always think this way and i know these books are not real i can never help but like try to connect them and like think that they're real so every time I read an instant love, I think it's cute. I think it's sweet, but I have trouble connecting it and believing it. Like, I feel like instant love books are never like my five-star ratings unless I'm in the mood for it. 
I get that they all have shorter timelines because a lot of times you're not going to read a book that's like spread out within like five years or even like one year. But I just feel like there's some books that I read and they, they'll like meet and then the next thing you know, they're telling each other they love each other. And I just struggle to believe it because of that. And I almost feel like we need to like normalize like maybe waiting to like the epilogue to say that they love each other. No, I say that, but then if I was reading it, I'd probably want it like right away because I hate a slow burn. So <laughs> I'm all over the plot with this one. But I am always interested to hear what people think about like the instant love trope because I just really feel like romance books, you do really want to connect with the characters. And I do think this is a harder one to connect with. And I feel like a lot of people are going to feel the same, like where it's such a struggle because of like probably situations they were in as well. And I always like find myself thinking, well, not always, but some characters, I'm like, I wonder if they'd actually stay together. Like if there's no epilogue where like you find out five years later, they got, got married and had kids. I'm like, are they over each other now? Like what's that? It just a summer play. <laughs> I'm literally out here acting like they're real people, but that's actually how I feel with like the instant love trope. I just like, really struggle to believe it because I really feel like there can be an instant infatuation. And I think your gut can tell you if it's the person that you're going to spend a lot of time with, but the actual like being in love part, I feel like there's like really so much more to it. So I do struggle. And then I think that like is kind of why second chance romances are my absolute favorite trope is because it takes so long to fall in love and there's like so much more to it. And kind of what I said at the beginning of this episode, just the growth aspect and feeling independent of yourself. We get to see that as well. I, I just like love second chance for that reason. I feel like the love story to me always feels more real and there's something like so sweet about reading about people's first loves and then moving on for a while and coming back to them because the love really does change. Like thinking back to like my little first high school love, that love is totally different than how I feel now because like young love is different than like, I don't want to say real love because I think it's all the same. It like could evolve to that, but it is different. Like a mature love is way different. And so I do just like really love reading second chances from seeing that shift happen and seeing like the characters change and kind of navigate their like new selves in the relationship. I'm like really big into you have to be confident in yourself and happy with yourself in order to have a happy relationship. Um, relationships always start with you and how you feel in your relationship with yourself. And I love that we get to see that with second chance romances. I also, for example, in second chance romances, I just always appreciate that usually in the books, there's something that's like an incident that kind of separates them. And as an adult, they start learning how to handle situations better and become more confident in navigating life for them to then retry this relationship. And it's sweet because like that initial love is still there. Like the foundation of their love is still there, but then it just grows and adds to it to actually bring them like a happy relationship. And in a lot of these second chance romances, when I read them, I think like had they not separated for those years, they probably wouldn't have ended up together. 
Because I think a lot of the times too, as you're growing and maturing, you become different people. And sometimes when you're trying to grow and mature with that person, you can veer away from each other. And it's, I don't know if it's like harder to come back, like if you make more hostility. I'm not sure how to explain it, but I really just like in second chance romances that like they were able to grow on their own and then reconnect as that version of themselves. It is just truly my favorite trope. I have never read a second chance romance that I don't love. <laughs> like they're all so good for that reason. I'm such a sucker for just character growth in general, obviously. And I just feel like they're always way more relatable. And I personally would never want to get back together with my first ever like guy I was with. But I just like love the idea that some people would. <laughs> I just, I don't even really know how to put in words, but I just find there's something so sweet about characters going back to their first love. I just, like I said, nothing, there's nothing compared to a young love and the fact that the characters can go back to it. I just always, it just like pulls on my heartstrings. Like it really does. And I don't know, a second chance romance will always really be in my heart. I feel like I'm not like so much an emotional person, but when I read those, I just always, I'm like, oh, this was just so sweet, especially like childhood friends to lovers. Like I just can't even deal. I honestly think it's funny though, because I was saying like going on about how like I'd never find instant love like realistic. I find second chance romances when I really think about them aren't realistic either. I just love the idea of them. I remember one time actually when my friends asked me like why I loved them so much and like she was wondering if there was some like background or meaning to why I love them. And I just think they're so sweet. Like that's all I can think about because I can just think about like when you're in love for the first time and how it feels and when you're in love, when you're like mature and how it feels like it's like you got almost like two first loves ever. And then it's like one, you get both those in one book. I don't know. It's just, I feel like, yeah, your first love is one thing, but then the first time, like you really realize that you are in love as like a mature adult. I feel like there's totally two, like totally magical different feelings and putting it in one book. I'm just like, Oh, eating it all up. I just love it. However, as I've mentioned a lot in this podcast, there is another trope from dating because of my dating history. I ref I have, a lot of trouble getting into and that is a hockey player romance and I don't even know if it's so much my dating history but a lot of my friends dating histories so I'll give you a bit of background I grew up in a hockey city with hockey players from all over the world and let me tell you I saw some shit these these guys were horrible honestly horrible just so many girls I witnessed so many people cheating it was just bad and I'm not saying all hockey players like this. I have a lot of friends who are now getting married to guys who play hockey and they've been with since they're in high school and it's great and they are great guys. But even some of going back to the green flags, there are some green flag hockey players that I've seen also do horrible things. And it just always, because growing up around that, I've really struggled with sports romances in that way, especially when there's like a series about it and like, the author tries to tell me every single guy in that hockey team is like a top-notch guy. It's just hard for me to believe it. 
However, I would love to see like a second chance romance and it be realistic. Like the hockey player be like kind of a shitty guy and then actually get better. Except like, I don't know how the first one would like that first bit would end in like the first part of the relationship, which would maybe put me off like the second chance part. But I would be interested to see someone write that. I just feel like a young hockey player is always really crappy. So just reading about them when they're like in their early 20s, I'm, I just really struggle to believe it. And I feel like I really contradict myself in this episode because like I just said second chances don't really always seem believable, but I just love them still. But like the hockey player one, I think because I grew up around it, I'm like, it's just I have seen it and it's not like that. And if you're dating a hockey player who's great, I'm happy for you. This is just my own personal experience of what I've seen. And I feel like a lot of people can also vouch for me on this case. But a lot of them, I just don't believe. And it's because, again, where I grew up. However, the one hockey player book boyfriend I will die on a hill for is Jasper from the Chestnut Spring series. I believe that if he was real, he was actually a good guy. He had, he, he's different. That was the one hockey player romance I just ate up. I think it was because it was still a bit of a cowboy and small town romance. Oh, I loved that book. So this excludes him. <laughs> All the like other big hockey player ones, like Consider Me. I just remember I was like, no shot. This is not real. Not everyone on this hockey team because it's a series is going to be like that. I know it's a really popular book, so I feel like I did not give it a chance because of this. I do remember the deal being a bit more realistic, in my opinion, and what I've seen, like, dating-wise, that I'm pretty sure Garrett Graham, he was known to, like, be a bit of, like, a playboy, I guess you would say. It made it, made it a bit more believable to me. But just, like, when they write these, like, top-notch guys, hockey players looking for a deep, soulful relationship, I'm like get absolutely fucked like that's not not how it works and I know that books aren't supposed to be real but like for me personally when you're around it so often growing up like it's just so so hard to read about it and I feel like every country has like that one sport where the men are just toxic and it's like hard to get out of it like if you asked any girl in Canada like do you have a toxic ex-boyfriend I would say like 90% of them would say yes it's a hockey player and I, I didn't like really have boyfriends. I more just dated around. I can tell you some of the most toxic men that I went on dates with were hockey players. It's shocking how some of them would act. And it's just like really hard to separate that from these books. It's just like comical sometimes. And I was actually talking to someone um, who lives in the UK about this. And they said there was like a bit with like football players. Like if, oh my God, I called it football. What do I think I'm in the UK? Sorry, soccer players, soccer slash football players. It'd be the same with them. Where like if a romance was written about them, it'd be so hard for them to connect with. I feel like all sports romances are like that in general. Um, maybe if you wrote a football romance, I wouldn't believe it because right now I like really believe that Travis Kelsey is the world's number one boyfriend to everybody. Seeing him with Taylor Swift, I believe he's amazing and can do no wrong, but he probably did go through a fuckboy stage. So, but you know what? Because of that, I will read a football romance and I could maybe believe it. Same with like Braxton Berrios and Alex Earl. I really believe that they would have a healthy relationship too. There's like a lot of 
like football players who are really killing it right now. So if you're a football player, good on you. You're really doing well. You're really showing up for the girls. Uh, keep it up and don't let us down. Any athlete that I had that I've had learning lessons from is that they really are just toxic and I wouldn't recommend them to a friend. I literally have a joke that anytime my single friends like text me they're with an athlete, I'm like, like how high did they play the higher of like a league they played in probably a crappier person than they are. So yeah, I don't know, but wrapping this all up, like I really just think you can actually learn quite a bit from books. I think you can like even find qualities in book men that you would want to find in real life. I mean, they are still fake, but I really think a lot of these qualities exist in real life. I can see a lot of my boyfriend in a lot of like the book boyfriends that I read about. A lot of the good qualities in the book boyfriends, I can relate to my boyfriend. So it does prove that this is something that you can do. I just think it's like important to like never settle either. Like, I mean, I think I'd maybe, I don't, actually, I didn't take it too far because it would work out, but I really didn't settle until I met my partner now. And I think it's like one of the best decisions I've ever made. I also don't, I also think if you haven't found the person not to be hard on yourself, I think there's so much you can learn being single and having time being single is so important. I will never like I never regret anything that happened in days I was single. I never regretted like the dates I went on or like the guys I had things with. I really feel like it was all a learning lesson. And it makes me so sad sometimes when I do have some friends who are like so in a rush to find a partner. I really think like it comes when you're least expecting it, but also when you're the most ready. I say that from experience. I wasn't ever like on the hunt for a boyfriend when my partner came into my life, but it was also at a time where I genuinely feel like I was ready to share my life with someone. I don't think like people talk about it often, like how you really do have to share your life and it's so, like you'd make so many like compromises in ways that are worth it, but it's, it is a big lifestyle change. So finding that right person that you actually want to like mesh your lives together with is important. And that's why I really don't think you should settle. But also again, like being confident in yourself where your partner becomes an enhancement of your life and not so much like your whole entire life is important. Um, and it's important too, if you are in a relationship to have your alone time sometimes, like have those girls weekends, like go on a girl's trip have that space where you can miss each other because also when you're by yourself again, it's like more growing. I had to learn this like with, you know, going back to Canada, I've did a solo trip by myself to go home to my family. And as much as it like sucked being away from my partner, it was nice missing him. And I felt like having some reflection alone made me like more excited to go back to him. Like our relationship was already strong, but having that space made us even stronger. So that was important. But I also feel like we wouldn't have been able to do that if we weren't two independent people. And I see a lot of people in relationships lose their independence and it is really sad to see. So I think it's just always important to wait 
until you feel like you're ready as a person to share yourself, I guess, and be able to have that like healthy boundary in a relationship and also don't settle. And again, if you're single, live it up, go on dates, have fun, just make the most of it. It is going to be a a time in your life you'll look back on and you'll be like, wow, I really became the person I am. And I'm in this relationship that I'm in now because of that time in my life. And just don't, don't feel bad. There's no rush. Love is not something and relationships are not something that has a time frame or timeline. It's just really the right person, essentially. So that's how I kind of wanted to wrap this up. I will make a post about like all my favorite romance books and ones that I feel like I could relate to. So if you want to see that, that will be on my Instagram soon at the Bad Girls Book Club. And if you liked this episode, please give me a rating. It was a lot of rambling, but, and actually I didn't really dive in as much of my toxic exes. I think I'm like low-key scared to talk about toxic exes when like, this is just like going out to the world. But if you do want to hear more about the toxic exes, please let me know. DM me on Instagram. And again, yeah, if you enjoyed this episode, give me a rating. And if you want any more bookish talk, book reviews, or just, you know, life stuff in general, follow me at the Bad Gals Book Club on Instagram. We'll end this here. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. And remember, cool gals love reading. Bye.